Yeah, for a minute. All right, guys, we're back. Gypsy Tales Times Combat Nutrition Collaboration Podcast. That's this what that's what it is now, isn't it? Yeah, we're this, doing gonna it. To, this is gonna have to be like a, a regular thing. I'm down. <laughs> and we obviously had Alex Volkanovsky, the UFC featherweight champion, just on our uh, last collaboration podcast. But hey, there is absolutely no champion without the man behind the champion, Joe Lopez. We absolutely had to get you on this episode, brother. Everyone wants everyone wants to hear from you. That's what everyone wants to hear from you. They don't want to hear from the champ. Yeah, who is the champ? <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome, brother. Thanks, Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me, guys. We um obviously, you know, we can go straight into talking about obviously martial arts and all these sorts of things, but we want to take this on a little bit of a different tangent. We want to hear about you and how you got started in your business career because a lot of people wouldn't even know about the fact that you ran security companies for a while. Is that right? Yeah, I still do. Tell um, us about it. Well, I got started because I did martial arts and then in the end I went back to it, you know. But uh, I was training I um, and because I could sort of, I guess, look after myself, I got a, a job, you know, well... My first job actually was I was doing a manager's course um, in hospitality and we got um, had to do some work experience in a bar. Anyway, after the second week there, they gave me a job and I was just working. I was you know, a young man. It was a bit of fun. And then one day um, this guy grabbed one of the waitresses in the, in the club. Anyway, I went up and I told the guy, you know, he couldn't grab her and he sort of turned on me and I, I put him in a bit of a wrist lock and I grabbed him and then the two security guys came over to grab him and he just knocked one over, knocked the over, <laughs> other guy over and then he, he grabbed the manager around the throat and I came in again from behind, put him in a wrist lock and, and I got him out and... The next week I was on the door. <laughs> That's how I started. Because <laughs> I wasn't so a big good. guy. And in those days, all the security guys were all monsters. And yeah, uh, the guys that were at the front bar, they go, what, what was that stuff you just did? You know, Because in those days, I wasn't much into grappling or all that sort of stuff. But I, I'd done a bit of, you know, I did a lot of Hapkido and that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, they involved a lot of the wrist locks. And it worked just perfectly into the security game and... Yeah, and that's it, you know. The what year was that, roughly? Oh, geez, probably 83, yeah, 84. So this is early, early yeah, days. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there was the days, no security licence, you know. Uh, yeah, hit first, ask questions later type <laughs> days, you know. <laughs> Bring it back. <laughs> so then, obviously, you you just kept going. And then, like, what was the transition into starting your own business in in security well i was just working on the door with um with a guy on actually on a, on a sunday night and he was working at another club on a friday night and he was a student here at the uni he's from south africa and he um he said can you do you know anybody that can work on the door with me on friday night at this club and i went yeah i know heaps of guys you know this is my hometown so they, in those days you, you really didn't even have to have a business or anything and i I said, yeah, I got him a guy, and then next week he asked me, could I get him another guy? And I went, yeah. And then I said, we're having a beer on the on the Sunday after work, and I said, man, I I, I got to start. I charge ten dollars or something just yeah. to get these guys, and 
in the end, I, I remember I used to make $60 extra a weekend. And I used to go, man, just forget my mate's jobs. I'm, I'm making $60. And I thought I was a rural hero. <laughs> I mean, $60 in those days probably was like a couple of hundred bucks yeah, today. Yeah, and it was just a hobby. I started it as a hobby and uh, just enjoyed doing it, you know. It was a fun way to meet girls and have a bit of fun. And, you know, and, and I guess you, you get off on the adrenaline too, you know, um, and the comradeship, you, you, especially in those days, because all the guys really stuck together. It's mm-hmm. a lot different today. To today, you know, the camera has changed everything, you know. Uh, back in those days, it was you really had to trust the guys you worked with and who, who had your back, and that's all that, that counted. So you, you really built these really strong bonds and friendships, which I still have today, you know. Still, a lot of the guys that I worked with are still some of my best friends, you know, from 30 years ago, you know. Like I said, you, you can't get a bond like that unless, you know, you've had to put each other's lives in each other's hands, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Paint, paint the picture for people of what security is like back in the 80s because it's completely different now. It's, uh, as you said, the cameras change things. You talk about mateship and you having to look after your mates back, which a lot of younger listeners probably don't really understand what that's like. Uh, well, look, it, it was a lot of, you know, like I said before, uh, punch first, ask questions later. And I, I really didn't like that approach, to tell you the truth. Um, I, I always thought that if I can talk somebody out, yep. um, it was a lot easier than having to drag somebody out or punch. And I honestly can, I can say that, unless it's different when guys have attacked me, but guys that I've ever had to hit... I could probably put it on, on my on my hands because mm-hmm. I, if you start punching, everybody starts to punch. So the best approach is how you speak to people. You know your your mannerism and the way you present yourself that you're confident and and you speak confidently. People respect that, and the guys that don't, they're usually the guys you don't need to worry about. You know they, yeah. But um, yeah. The, the like I said, the the friendship and the bonds were were something. Special, like I said, it was a different era, you know. Um, uh, they've made it so hard now in the security industry. I mean, some things are good, but, you know, um, it's so hard now to get good guys to do Fridays and Saturday nights when they've got to do a two-week course uh, and now they're going to say they're going to make it for a month. So that just – it just narrows the, the dream pool mm. down of good guys that are going to – who can take two weeks off because guys that – uh, are usually good. Have usually got another job, so they're not going to take two weeks holidays to earn the crappy money that they do get this day. Because really, the money hasn't increased that much over the years because of the undercutting and all the bad sh- shit that comes behind it. You know, but I'm still here. It still makes me. I still get a living out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, I started on the doors, and then I, I went on to actually training dogs. You know. One stage, I had twenty security dogs. Wow! Yeah. Uh, See, this is the shit I want to hear. I heard part of this like really? on a on a weird drunken night with Joe and Brocky. Brocky, <laughs> <laughs> Brocky gets kept like wanting to get one of Joe's dogs. Weird story, but <laughs> it's um man, this shit's fascinating. Mm, like yeah. that you clearly coaching and training is something that's built in you. Like mm. it, it must be like from coaching world champions to training security to training security dogs like is that something you've always had in built as a mechanism oh uh, look i had i had a bad experience with 
you know, uh, one of the clubs I was with and I sort of got turned off people and working in nightclubs turns you off people after a while because you just get to see the... You only get to see the bad side of them. You don't get to see the good side. And, yeah, you just get this, uh, I guess, so I, I I just went, oh, well, I want to train dogs because at least they're loyal. The, the problem is I, I started training them and then, you know, like one guy had this really good dog and the guy brings him back and he says, oh, he's got a bit of a cut eye on... because he, he ran into a barbed wire fence and I said, oh, yeah, what happened? He says, well, I had him chasing rabbits. Yeah, and I, I lost it. I said, man, I've been training this dog to look for humans and now you've turned him into a hunting dog. You know, he's a, he's a security dog, not a hunting dog, mm-hmm. you know, and and that sort of stuff. And then you, you leave dogs out and, you know, dogs can't get their own water or their own food and you entrust people to do it and they don't do it and it, and it just got too much, you know. Again, people piss me off that I had to let the animals go, you know, because it's a seven-day-a-week job and if you have something on, you've you, you got to trust someone to actually do it and that that's the hard part. So I ended up giving that away as well yeah. <laughs> and went back to the humans. Was Wollongong <laughs> a, a, like a rough city? It, does it have a reputation as a rough city? or Because some towns in, in Australia definitely like to work security in certain towns is like a rough gig. Well, it, it was. Uh, and, and at one stage there, I, I did, uh, with a partner, we had uh, probably 100 guys working nightclubs right. and pubs yeah. in Sydney. We ran most of them. And the boys from Sydney used to always say it was harder to work in Wollongong mm. than it was in Sydney. Because a lot of places in Sydney, even though you're getting different people in, you don't know who owns the club and you don't know who's who these guys are. So people are a little bit more well-behaved. Where here you get a lot of people, especially in those days, used to get you know, a lot of the lebs come down from Western Sydney, all the people from Campbelltown, and, and they were our main sort of clientele they'd come down in and the local guys and it was a matter of you know see who's the toughest you know yeah. and we've got a lot of ethnics you know so it, it was very well you know like you know not one on one it was you know yeah. 10 20 you know people at times you know like I, we ran the the nightclub down here waves i used to have 30 guards there working on a saturday wow. night yeah we'd get over the night like the, the place was licensed for 1500 people but we'd go through the doors, two and a half thousand people a night. Shit. You know, we'd have lineups from the beginning of the night till about one o'clock in the morning. It was just a constant flow of people. And and like I said, it was it was a big nightclub. Had a pub next door, and then had a restaurant next door to that. And yeah, the, the amount of people that was there was a. I used to have to map out like my battle plan to for that venue because it was that big. You know, mm. like so I knew where every guard was and. In case something happened, and you know, how do you manage like so? How do you manage the PR of having a security company? Because when I was growing up, eighteen, going to clubs in Surfers Paradise, for example, you would run into security guards, and you would very quickly form an opinion of them being control freaks or them wanting to be wanting to you know actually get into fights and start fights and things like that just for an excuse to to take control of a situation and take some guys around the corner in an alley and bash the shit out of them and stuff like that so it's easy to form an an opinion about the or make a stereotype of of security guards have you found yourself having to sort of you know battle your way through opinions or anything like that or Uh, i've never been that way and i've never believed in it you know and i and i can tell you stories you know why, why you, you shouldn't why it shouldn't be that way I think a lot of these times uh, most of the guys can't fight 
That's the big thing I found because all the guys, because I've always had a gym, most of the training we did was with the guys that we work with because that's what we said before that we're all friends and we all hung out together and it, it was just that camaraderie that we had and all the guys that could fight used to show up to train, all the guys that couldn't. And they were the ones that likely punch first and yeah. ask questions mm. later. Yeah. This is this is exactly the conversation Sel and I have just been having yeah. about what's happening in the US at the moment sure. and seeing the, the, the police brutality and we were talking about it. We yeah. were all talking yeah. about it. Yeah. And um, we we just literally came to the conclusion, I think Jace, you were telling us about, you know, the lack of um, training training yeah, that just a, training a lot of that, the police yeah. force actually do and they're just resorting well, Jackson, to what did you say? Four hours. It's four hours of co- like combat training in a year for cops. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like I do more of that in jujitsu in, one in, day. The f- <laughs> in like the first three days of the week, yeah. uh, every uh, week. Uh, but look, the other side of the, the other side that people don't see is that not only that, but police. Yeah, you know, that a lot of them suffer from PSD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and. And I've seen it, and I've come through it myself, you know. But I used to, you know, people used to say, you've got it. And I used to say, because, you know, everywhere I went, I was like this, you know, because people are threatening you all the time. You're always there. And all of a sudden, you you, you become... You become a different person, mm-hmm. and and you know what can happen to you as well if you don't act like that. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and and no one calls the cops to say, "Hey, you going?" Yeah, you know, they're only calling the cops because yeah. something's wrong. You know, yeah. and, and I'm not sticking up for them because there's a lot, of, there's a lot of bad cops out there. But there's a lot of good cops that I've seen turn bad because they constantly just have a negativity towards them, and yeah. I, I, I think. That and and having something like even the guys on the door, I used to see. You know, I used to see good guys turn bad, and I say, "Man, have a couple of weeks off because mm-hmm. it starts to get to you." You know, the wow. you know, yeah, a hundred guys come to the door and insult you, and then the, you know, the hundred and one comes up, and yep. he's the one that breaks the yeah. camera's back. You mm-hmm. know, and he's the only one that you remember about. You know, you've had such a good night, and then that one person ruins it for mm-hmm. you. Yep. That do you know? Um, Grant Bradshaw and Rachel Bradshaw, by any chance? They're up on the Central Coast. They have a jiu-jitsu gym up there. No, I no? don't. They're, um, they're, they're involved in the police force. And um, she put up a post recently and it was very fascinating. And I wish I could recite what it said, but it was basically outlining the rigorous training that cops have to go through, um, you know, and they don't really get paid that much and they don't really, you know, they're not really that well supported and then what their actual job is is they're having to face all of these dangerous situations every day and she put up this photo of all of these cops super beaten up obviously after really bad situations and yeah it's 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 crazy when you think about it it's interesting what you said about sort of guys turning bad i i I could relate to it from a being in the in 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 law and i was in um, corporate and commercial litigation and my, my whole day revolved around arguments yeah. And and that's why I left because yeah. it was just killing my soul. So how do you kind of, I know you said if you see someone sort of turning bad, you give them a couple of weeks off, but is there just sort of making sure that everyone's kind of mind is all right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> do you I, check I, up on the boys? Well, and I, I always, yeah, and again it came to the guys you were working with that we're all going to lose it. When we start to lose it, when somebody else has got to take over mm-hmm. and so it doesn't become personal to you. Because it's just a job, mm-hmm. you know. It, it, at the end of the day, and and like I said, it's easier said than done, you know, because somebody will sort of push you there. But I've always gone try to not let. I, I, I put it in my head that I'm not going to give them the response that they're after. Mm-hmm. 
because they're after that response. I'm going to beat them by not giving them the response that mm. they want. And I'll, I'll tell you a good story. There was a, a guy, um, a good friend of mine, Vito Gordiosi, former middleweight, Australian middleweight champion, uh, boxing champion. Let me get that right. It's a big title. <laughs> um, and, you know, he's an Italian fella. You know, looks very Italian. Um, I mean, someone got kicked out and we are on the door and he was trying to get our attention, you know, and he's, he kept at us and at us and we're just talking like he, like he doesn't exist. Honestly, we just fade them out like they're there insulting us and we're just continuing our conversation. And then he kept up to Vito and he's gone, Vito, you, you or we didn't know his name, he's going, hey, you, you wog boy. Can I swear on this? Thing? Yeah. Yeah, he's going, hey, you, you wog boy. And he's gone, what? And he's gone, hey, wog boy, I fucked your mother. And he's kept talking. He's going, hey, did you hear what I said, wog boy? I fucked your mother. And he looked at him and he goes... Did you just say you fucked my mother? He goes, yeah, I did. What are you going to do about it? He says, have you seen my mother? She's this tall and this round and you've been rooting her, have you? <laughs> like the guy didn't, like we all just cracked up and the guy just didn't know what to do. He just said, these guys are fucked and walked off, you know. Like, That's so good. And, and I, I use that like when I, when I was teaching security as a story that you, you can't let them win by giving them the reaction they want. And to me, that's how I, I, I've not let them get me upset, you know? That's amazing. And, and same as getting people out of the club. The, the best way is to get people out is I tap them on the shoulder and I says, can you come with me? And I'd start walking, 90% of people follow you. <laughs> <laughs> and if they don't, you just Jedi tell them you, you, your mate's at the door, you know, and they go, what, mate? And they go, oh, one of your mates is there. And they'll tell you, John, I go, yeah, that's him, he's at the door. He can't get in and he wants to give you something. And you take him to the door and then you go, see you later, mate. That's <laughs> genius. That, uh, that, the job that you did, I feel like would have given you a very, very unique ability to tell instantly if someone could actually fight and then you fast forward to the the owning a gym and being a trainer you would have such a a knack for going this dude's a fighter this dude's not a fighter oh oh that, that's sort of different on the door it's you you're, you're looking more for yeah intoxication number one you know what, what you know, what, you know like if how they're carrying a knife here uh, what, yeah. what, what, what what have they got in their pockets the way they're walking up and and like i tell all the guys i says everyone that walks to the door you've got to say hello mm-hmm. and if they don't say hello to them i grab them and i go hey mate i just said hello to you and if they get upset at me i go mate you're not coming in and they go mm-hmm. oh, i haven't done anything oh yeah well you're getting angry at me and i've just said hello to you yeah. what are you going to do when someone bumps <laughs> into you inside yeah. you know so your front door is always your, your first line of defence. So, so, yeah, and just by the way they walk, by the way they talk, by talking to them, you know, you're, you, you've got to engage with them to know who you're going to let in because, like I always say, it's a lot easier to stop them at the door than try and drag them back yeah, out the door. Sure. So the guy on the door has really got an important job to play, you know, um, and, I mean, like I said, it's a, I, I used to, back in the day, I, I used to have... Eight guards and two shirt fillers. Now I've got eight shirt fillers and two guards. You know, mm. that's uh, how it's working per rata f- for how the guards are these days, yep. unfortunately. 
all the guards that you get on board talking about screening processes, do you expect that they have some sort of martial arts training or do you put them through martial arts training? Obviously you can't do that to hundreds of guys, but... I look, at, I, I give them an option that they can train and I do run, um, you know, like officer, officer survival tactics yep. and it's just very basic things. A, lo- a lot of it is just how you stand, you know, when, when someone's starting to get aggressive, you stand a certain way. You know, and, and and be ready, and a, a lot of the times you giving away that that body language. Um, guys that can fight go, oh, geez, this guy's ready. Mm-hmm. You know, guys that can't fight, well, they're not going to be a problem anyway. You <laughs> know, <laughs> um, but you know, um, the, the the bad thing today is probably to the earlier days is there's a lot more chemicals out there. You know, mm-hmm. guys are on yeah, uh, or, or, yeah, yeah. And, and and those guys are dangerous, you know, because yeah. you strength. can choke superhuman. them with superhuman yeah. strength and you choke them out and within – I mean, I've had guys here, I feel them go limp, I let them go and before my hand hasn't even come out off their throat and they're already going at me, you know, and back on again, you feel them go limp. The cops come in and they, and they go, let him go. I go, mate, I'll put the handcuffs on him. Yeah. <laughs> Please listen to what I've got to say. Some, bo- some of them don't. They think that they're, that they're better than whatever and you let them go and I've seen cops get punched in the head. The smart cops, they listen to what, you, you know, yeah. what you're doing and they handcuff them while you've still got some sort of control over them because, yeah, the, the strength and... Oh, is it, did it become like a chicken and an egg situation where you had a whole lot of security people, you realised training was needed, you had a training background yourself and thought I should create a home for this? Or was it the gym just naturally an evolution for you that you always wanted to get to? No, it was... When I got to 40, I just sort of went, man, I'm getting too old to be on these doors. And the business was pretty successful um, and I said, I, I had a couple of good guys at higher positions and I, I gave one of them my job as the operations manager and I, I wanted to take a backward step and uh, do what I loved doing, which was the martial arts and teaching and, and travelling, you know, so I could, I wasn't, you know, on the job because honestly when, when, when you're the operations manager, it's a 24-7 hour mm-hmm. job, you know, because... Uh, Guys will ring you at 3 o'clock, guys will ring you at 2 mm. o'clock, guys will ring you at 6 o'clock in the morning, you know. I, I tell them, man, we're not, you know, we're, we're not 7-Eleven here, you know. It's, yeah. you know. If it's important, no worries, well, I'm here. But, you know, if it can wait till the morning or till a, a reasonable time, you know, then wait, you know. But, you know, people are people. Tell us about your, your martial arts history and where it started. And you were talking about doing some Hapkido and stuff like that. Um, you've obviously done a lot of jiu-jitsu. You've done a lot of MMA now. Tell us where it started and, and its evolution. Uh, well, probably when I was a little kid, probably nine or ten or something, I did judo for about three or four years. Wasn't Didn't take it seriously. I was just doing it because a couple of the guys I, I was friends with, they were doing it and... I, I wasn't really um, into the competing side and all that. I just liked the fun and being with the guys. And then I really got into surfing, so I surfed for years and years. And then the boys up the beach when we were about 17, they all there was a local guy that started a taekwondo club and we all rocked up there one night and probably out of the 20 of us that started, I think probably two of us kept going, you know, and everybody else just stopped off in dribs and drabs which is the martial arts still yeah. to this day you know out of 20 people probably two 
will come through all the way, you know, and, and probably only one of them will, st- will stick it out to forever, you know. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And then where did it go from there? So you did the taekwondo and then um, when yeah. did you get into jiu-jitsu? What age? Um, well, probably straight after, you know, um, the first UFC, you know. Yep. We, you know, we got the VCR f- and uh, we got it and watched it and said, man, we've got to do this and yep. went out and done, uh, I think, uh, some guy brought John Will down here to Wollongong and I did his seminar and I, I just loved it. I love the simplicity of it, how how it worked, you know, the leverage and all. And, yeah, but back in those days, again, it was very, very hard. You know, this, it's not like today where you've got YouTube, it's mm-hmm. mainstream. I, I was at a boxing gym at that stage and, you know, to get anybody, you know, especially that's always about, you know, see how our guys are all banter and everything else. You tell them that you want to touch them here and there. And, <laughs> and you know, hey, do you come into my guard? And they're looking at you like, you know. Or, or somebody walks in and you're doing it and it was on, you know. So it, it, it was very hard to get training partners and people to want to actually train with you in jiu-jitsu, you know, uh, unless they were into it, you know, especially coming, like I said, because, I was at a boxing gym at that stage and, uh, yeah, it was really, really hard. I must admit, when <laughs> me, Jason, Jackson were all doing jiu-jitsu in the lounge room just right here in front of us and then the maid came in, we all just stopped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't get going. Yeah. I still had more things we wanted to run over. Yeah. Yeah, we were all like, oh, yeah, that's right, we're growing up, man. We are in the cafe before and then Jason's like, remember I did this? And I was like, yeah. And then we were wrestling each other in the cafe and then all these – Civilians are like, what's wrong with these people? Civilians. Civilians. <laughs> 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 Where's the social distancing? <laughs> True. And then, that part. so obviously, y- you must have taken on a real love and passion for the strategy side of combat sports because. If I thought about Joe, I think of a strategy man. I think of he's the strategy and the mind behind, obviously, the champion. And I know that you've got an amazing team and you work with the CKB team and you work with the Tiger team and just some incredible minds of the sport. But is it, is the strategy something that gets you fired up? Um, I don't know. I, no? I, like, I like the whole... Um, the whole thing, uh, but ma- mainly I, I really like working with the athlete because mm-hmm. unless you're there and you're doing things and getting them to try things and you go, yep, that works, no, that doesn't work, and, and, and getting your athlete to have his own, uh, like a lot of people go, oh, you've got to worry about Aldo's leg kicks. Well, no, Aldo has to worry about our leg kicks, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, Max had the for he he was the you know the volume striker. Well, we went out there and we volume strike Max, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so sometimes you just have to see what they do and see if you can do it better or you can counter what they're doing, you know. Um, which we did do a lot of. You know, we broke a lot of Max momentum and his rhythm, and and, and that was you know obviously they're the game plans and mm-hmm. that. But to me, I I really enjoy um, especially when there's no fight and we can just experiment and go oh yeah that, that that works that works no that doesn't work or maybe we need to do it this way and and that that kind of stuff I, I really like doing and, and even now like going into this next fight you know we've seen a lot of things that Max did well against Alex and we worked on those things but at the end of the day you you don't know mm-hmm. you know Max could come out and say hey I'm going to change my complete style but 
I, I doubt whether he will yeah. because that's the way he is. But you, you, you've got that that thing, and that's why I, one of the things I really like doing is getting the guys to spar as many different people as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, sometimes people are scared. They go, oh, I don't think I'm up to Alex's level. I, I mean, as long as some they've got some ability, mm-hmm. you know, and they're not scared to be punched, um, every, you can learn off everybody, you know, even if mm. it's just a, that cruising around where you can get your breath back to, to go again, you know. Uh, I mean, it's a bit different when you're in fight camp. Um, you know, you, you've got specific things, you've got specific goals, but as a general, when you haven't got a fight plan to spar as many different people and learn, you know, even what not to do, you mm-hmm. know, this guy's doing this, this ain't working, you know, I'm not going to do that, you know. Something that I love about you, Joe, is there's no egos involved and what you said just then um, speaks so true, you know, you, you, you love Alex and you love the guys to get as much cross training as possible. And that's not necessarily, you know, we talk about it. We've been talking about a lot on this trip. If you think about like a, a traditional jujitsu gym or a traditional jujitsu culture, and especially sort of um, maybe more the traditional Brazilian style jujitsu, they're very, um, they're very adamant that you just train with them and them only. And if you're not with them, they're, you know, you're against them sort of mentality. Yes. And I think that you've always, you've, you've never had the walls up. You've always brought guys in or you've gone with Alex and traveled to obviously Tiger and, and City Kickboxing and all these sorts of things. It really does help bring the industry forward and shows that, you know, you, we can all train together. We don't have to, you know, create these divisions and segregate ourselves and for sure uh to me it's a sport you know uh, we so there's got to be a winner and there's got to be a loser I, I mean there's good that there's rivalries and you know the conor mcgregor's because they sell it to the casual fan but you know not 90 percent of the people that you know the hardcore people that are actually doing the sport they don't think that way i mean some do you i mean you're always going to get nutters i think we're all nuts doing it but <laughs> you get guys that are a special level of it and uh, you know and diego sanchez <laughs> 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 yeah, and you know, it, it is what the sport. But for me, uh, and I mean, Eugene said that to me that he, what he liked about me as a coach that I wasn't afraid to let Alex go and train somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And to me, if if he gets more out of training with you than he does for me, well, you know, you're, you're turning the light on. I'm not. You know, keep the light on. You know, that, that's obviously why Alex stays. Yeah, though, right. Yeah, he feels so comfortable. True. He knows that you you have his best. That's, that's, I think that's what it is, is like to literally know like, oh, so he he cares enough about me that he'd be happy for me to go to some other gym and, and lose all of that. For me, it's like you'd sort of, you go, I kind of want to be around that dude. It's so hard to like find that inner person, like that level of, uh, and it shows a lot of like, there's just zero insecurity about it on, on your front, but you sort of, you can't leave that when you've got that. You're mm. like, man, this, this is such a rare thing to find, mm-hmm. and it's like you could kind of build everything else around that. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, well, a lot of people don't know. Like they asked that Alex went to Tiger, but we signed him up to go to Tiger yeah, yeah. and get that that scholarship. And when he went there, I thought, oh, he's probably gone. He's with all these high level guys, you know. He, uh, you know, Brian Ebersole was there, Robert Huerta. They were the the yeah. two MMA wrestling coaches there, and you know top high level guys you know and we had a fight coming he goes no no i want to finish the camp back with you because i want to get everything right and that shocked me you know at first i went oh 
maybe I'm not that bad, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, I guess it gave me a bit more confidence in my own ability. Not not that I doubted it, but like I said, I, I think and I say this to everyone, as a fighter it's all about you and as a coach it's got to be about your fighters, you know, and what you can give to them, you know. And I'll, I'll look at, you know, say you roll and I'll go, oh, Miles, been watching this guy go and check him out. You know, he's got these moves. He looks to your body style. He sim- moves very similar to you. Work on that, you know. And just those things, you know, just to help you with your jiu-jitsu or whatever, they're the things that I really enjoy there. And then watching you progress and getting better on those moves. I used to hate it with Alex. I'd show him a move and the next minute he's submitting me with it, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Alex talked about this a bit, but what's it like bringing everything back to this part of the world like you guys have brought everything back like you brought belts back championships a name for for this area we rolled up to the hotel here mm-hmm. they said oh you guys look like you're up to something fun and we're <laughs> like oh cool yeah we're just um here to film um we weren't name dropping or anything we're just like we're here to film um a ufc fight they're like volko oh we can't wait for him to rock up what time's he getting here obviously this is a small community yeah. but what you've done is blown it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, we go to Windang where obviously the gym is. You've got a gym there. You've got your home near there. You both live right around the corner from there. Alex was saying that people constantly say, man, what are you doing here? You should be in America. You've got this UFC belt and all this type of stuff. He's like, no, I should be here training with you because this is where it's all happening. What's it feel like to be the man behind the man. Bring, yeah, bring, bringing that to this area of the world. Oh, still the same. <laughs> <laughs> still the same. Yeah, I don't, you know, I, I get to the gym early and I make sure it's clean and <laughs> I've got my OCD problems where everything's <laughs> got to be in its place. Jackson owes you some Yeah, uh, yeah. and if someone's left something behind, I'll write their name on the board so they know, you know, they've got to be, you know, they've got to be punished. I firmly <laughs> believe, I firmly believe that that's what makes your gym one of the best gyms anywhere in the world. It can be said that it's one of the best gyms in the world simply because, one, you have... You got the, the best U- dude in the world. You got the UFC champion yeah. of the world. But two, if the UFC champion of the world leaves his gloves there, you're giving him shit. If Jackson's left his gloves there, you're giving him shit. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter who you are, whatever standing you are, it's the same rules apply and everyone treats the place with respect. That's Joe's house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and look, I'll clean the floor. Alex cleans the floor. Yep. Everyone's got to have a, a turn at cleaning, you know. It's not uh, – I, I make that. And I used to tell the guys, I said, when I first started, you know, especially the traditional martial arts, it was like the honour for you to be the guy to sweep the floor before mm-hmm. we all trained on the wooden floors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the guys didn't believe me. And then one of the guys was looking at some, reading some Japanese old philosophy books and stuff, and he's going, you're right, that, that's what they used to do. And I'm going, oh, I wasn't lying. Yeah. He <laughs> says, I thought you were just saying that so we'd all clean the floor for you. <laughs> I go, no, I'm doing it because the gym's, I'm, I'm honouring the gym at the moment. It's one day you guys might feel the honour to do it. Now I make them all do it. <laughs> <laughs> so sick. Do you try and maintain that traditional aspect of martial arts in some way in the gym? Because obviously martial arts has evolved so much and it's becoming this modern sport. Do you oh. try and maintain some sort of level of tradition? Oh, look, just the the respect thing, yeah. you know, uh, and, and, you know, the honour and, you know, and all that because that's really good for your head, I think, you know, mm. that just having that self-control. And, yeah, uh, uh, you know, like... 
I, I was right into bowing and all that, but I haven't bowed, you know, especially when you've been to a boxing gym <laughs> for a long time, you've trained out of those, you, you sort of lose a lot of the that traditional thing, you know, and then you start going to the jiu-jitsu and they're bowing into the mats and then you've got other jiu-jitsu clubs that don't do it, you know. Mm -hmm. When I was with Peter Dabin, you know, I was... Um, now, that they weren't very traditional in the way they approached their jiu-jitsu. You know, it still had um, high-level guys mm -hmm. and everything else, but they weren't. And then now I'm training with Treco and he's more of a, you know, traditional. So he, they all bow onto the mats. They're very... Um, he's very traditional in his um, way of... Um, Teaching, or not teaching in in that side of it, the, you know, the bowing in and bowing out and the lining up and everything else, where at Peter DeBoons it was more casual, you know, mm -hmm. show up, leave when you want, you know. It was, yeah, pretty cruisy. It sort of like suits the individual, hey, if, yeah. you, if you appreciate that sort of traditional aspect it suits you if you if you're not into it you know yeah every club has their their vibe and their you know focus and culture and all these yeah. sorts of things yeah, i don't think there's like a wrong way to do nah, it for i sure. feel like that it's one of those things that you you know like for yourself it's your gym and and it's like well if i would go into your gym i would have zero problems doing whatever it was that you wanted me to do because yeah. it's your house you know yeah. and i don't think that a person should be, you know, if you own a gym, you should be able to choose the shit mm. that you want to do. And yeah. it's just purely the respect of the person that built that house. Mm. That's really whatever it is. You should sort of do it just purely on that reason for me, you know? Yeah. The, the only people I, I, I really emphasise the going very traditional is the kids because mm. um, there's, a, there's a lot of discipline goes into the kids. Uh, I enjoy teaching the kids, uh, again, only because... They learn so quick, and they're a lot more willing to please. So you get a lot, you get a lot of results very quick. You know, your young fella had some good jujitsu today. Yeah, he did. He was, there was some cool transitions that he <laughs> yeah. had going on. Yeah, he loves jujitsu, and it's so funny. He's only started twelve months ago. Yeah, right. He used to go to the because he never wanted to train with me because as soon as I'd say anything, yeah. he'd just yeah. run out. Yeah. So. My wife took him to my old boxing gym, and he trained there for about eighteen months, but he didn't like it, and. Then he's, he was playing soccer and didn't really want to play it. So I said, send him out to Treco's. So my wife sent him out to Treco's. And Which is the other, the jiu-jitsu. Yeah, that's team. who we're affiliated yeah, yeah, with yeah, now. Yeah. Treco, um, yeah, he's a former UFC fighter mm -hmm. and yeah. he's been helping out in the camp as well. Awesome. Yeah, he's, he, he's, I mean, Treco's competed in everything from, <laughs> you know, the local MMA scene to getting into the UFC. He's competed in Sambo. Yeah, I think he's won some titles in that, you know, I think world titles or whatever, I'm not sure, but he's competed at the ACCs for BJJ, he's competed at the Worlds for BJJ, he's competed at black belt level for judo. Mm. Um, yeah, he's he just loves competing and he, he's he's brought a lot of good things to the camp. He's, you know, old school pressure, stay heavy on top mm. and um, that that's one of the things we've been, um, you know, trying to get into the game, you know, that, that jujitsu pressure if you get on top, you know. Mm. Let's talk about, let's obviously talk about Alex, right? He came to you, I think he said about around nine years ago and he hasn't left. Yeah. How, talk to us about Alex walking into the gym and his evolution to now becoming the UFC world champion. I mean, it's, it really does feel like a unique situation that he's just stuck with you. He's been loyal 
to the gym and his coach and all these sorts of things, especially like we were just saying before in a world where everyone just says, cause I, I, f- I feel it where we are. Everyone's just like, Oh, you've got to go to America. You got to go to here. You got to mm. go there. Oh, well, I used to think that as well yeah. too. Uh, and then again, it, it's, it's believing that you don't need it because to me it was the, the most important thing, especially when you're getting ready for a fight is your training partners. Mm-hmm. And you know, first we were going to Tiger and most of the guys that we would hook up with were all the guys that are at City Kickboxing, you know, apart from the Hickman brothers and a few other guys, MLO and the boys and Woody. Uh, but uh, that that to me, especially, that you, you need guys that you can trust mm-hmm. that are going to push you but they're not going to hurt you. You know, a lot of these things, as you see, we're, we're pushing the guys to breaking points and you can't have somebody there hurting you, you know, so... The, the, having the the good training partners is number one for mm-hmm. me. Um, and you've really had to obviously evolve and adjust as Alex has had success throughout the years as the coach. Because did you have anyone with world sort of level, you know, champion experience? Had you been through it before? Or uh, was Alex the one that really sort of... No, I, 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 I trained, um, oh, I can't remember the year, Steve Duet. Uh, he beat Lester Ellis, I can't remember, back in the 90s. Yep. Uh, Vito and I coached him and, and he beat Lister Ellis for the World Interim uh, Kickboxing title. Mm-hmm. And I had a bit of success training boxers, a lot of success with jiu-jitsu guys, mm-hmm. just as a coach. Yep. Um, and, and to me, it was just like I said, I, I don't force anybody into competing, but if they do... Yeah, number one, they've got to be fit, and and two, they've got to be committed. You know, so you, you, I'm not going to give you my time if you can't give me your time. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of guys used to get pissed off because Alex would get pads, and I wouldn't give it to anybody else. I go, well, he's the only guy here training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know, you want to come in here two days, and I'm going to hurt my elbows for you. See you later. You know, <laughs> well no, said. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I'll just put I put in what they put it. They give mm-hmm. me, you know, um, and yeah, that's that's all that it is. And look, Alex at the beginning, because you all know him, he's a really good guy, and he used to carry a lot of the guys. Mm-hmm. You could see that today. There's just like a obviously he's the UFC champ now, but like I could imagine him being the same from day one. Like he was the first. He started doing sprints uh, in the jogging laps, and then literally the next dude behind him was like, "Oh, we're doing sprints," mm-hmm. and then they all started doing it. And it's like you could just kind of tell he was he is just that guy, right? Yeah. That is like puts on the leadership pants and and sort of sets the standard. Mm. Yeah, and but his big fault there was he he, he was developing bad habits because oh, I don't want to kick Miles hard in the legs or uh, yeah, Miles yeah. is coming forward but I don't I don't want to jab him in the face, you know, because Miles doesn't realize that he's moving in with his hands down and he was carrying them, you know, making them look good. Yeah. And then when his fights come up, I go, mate, you, you're developing yourself bad habits. Uh, you know, you, 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 you've got to, you know, even with some of the things we were doing with jiu-jitsu with the pressure thing, he, he doesn't want to put the weight on you or mm-hmm. grind your face because he doesn't want to hurt you. I go, mate, you, you're developing bad habits by not doing it here, you mm-hmm. know, because, you know, as the, the saying goes, you, you're going to fight the way you train or train the way you fight, you know, and... And, and and that's what happens. And, and then we lost a lot of guys when it, when when Alex was fighting. It was funny that you know we'd have ten guys that were you know wanted to fight. 
as soon as it get close to him getting into the fight, all of a sudden that all drop off, you know. Yeah. We're a bit more lucky now. We've got a, a few more guys that are there, but back in the early days we had – and Alex will tell you, we had no, – it was me and him sparring because no one would show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is where I, I started going, man, I, I was in my early 50s then and I'm going, man – you want to be a champion, you can't spar a 50-year-old man. You need to spar these young guys, you know. And that's the first guys that I reached out to were um, Treco and that, and that's how I, I became friends with him. You know, they accepted us as into their, like, you know, into their gym, like same as City Kickboxing Gym. Uh, and we became really good friends and we'd go there and train. And they were the days on um, on a Saturday morning you know, um, Robbie Whitaker, Richard Walsh, Richie Vass, mm-hmm. um, Manny Rodriguez. You know, they're all UFC guys. I've probably forgotten some guys, but they were all high-level guys. Saturday morning, it was on, you know. Great sparring. It had great atmosphere. Everybody was really respectful and cool, and they were really good times, you know. And it was a shame that when they um, split, when the gym split up, uh, they lost that that thing that used to happen on Saturday mornings there. Now I just try and do it at my gym on a Saturday morning. Yeah. But I, I really enjoy travelling to gyms to spar too, especially with the new guys because I think it, that stress level is just the sort of same stress levels you're going to mm. get into a fight because mm-hmm. you're out of your comfort zone, you know. Yeah. You can easily be good in the gym, in your own gym, but then you go somewhere else totally. and, and you fold, you know. Yeah, 100%. Obviously... Um, you know, we're talking about unique situations and putting, you know, getting your guys to go to different gyms and work with different bodies. And we're talking about Alex, um, you know, for those who don't know, he commonly goes to either Thailand or he goes to Auckland for a lot of his camps, obviously does a lot of um, his camp at Freestyle as well. Um, But he hasn't been able to do that this time. There's been a a COVID outbreak that's just (laughs) fucked everything up (laughs) for everyone. So how's that been as as an adjustment? It's been pretty stressful at some times, you know, just the unknowns and, um, yeah, it's – at other times, I mean, once the camp got going, it's been good because, you know, the, all the guys that have come into the camp have been really, really good and supportive. And you got some high-level guys in there. Yeah, mm. yeah, which is really, really good. And there was uh, a good vibe for hard sparring very too, good you vibe, know, yeah. like there was any, any shots that kind of were a little bit – questionable or sort of accidental it was straight high fives you like no one got there Aggressive. was no one yeah, yeah it was it was cool to actually witness just that itself yeah. too yeah but that's how the sparring should be you know it's mm. not about hurting each other I, I mean you know a lot of the boxing sparring that you do that that i think a lot of the times they take it too far that they're actually fighting and and i don't believe in that i think you should always be eight to nine maximum sparring mm-hmm. should never go to ten if you're going to go to ten just go and fight you know yeah. <laughs> um you know the, the risk reward is just not worth it yeah. um that's my opinion I, I know a lot of the you know um the other guys that are from the other high level gyms they that they think the same you know that you you don't need to you, you don't need to go to war you know mm-hmm. um it's so interesting everyone has a different opinion mm-hmm. so there's no wrong or right it's just what works for your guy, I guess. You know, you talk about Tony Ferguson. I don't know if it's true, but he doesn't spar at all. Cowboys um, not Cowboy sparring doesn't anymore. Spar. Yeah. John Jones doesn't spar um, during their their camps. Is that right? Is that wrong? I mean, I just think the sport's so young, right? That like we sort of it's based on like everybody's getting new information at different times, you know. But but I, I'm a 
big fan of sparring, but it's the, the type of sparring that we do. Uh, a lot of the times when I haven't got um, the high-level guys here and we've just got our normal crew, but which a lot of them are yep. really good, mm-hmm. we, we spar three or four times a week, but we're just doing touch sparring. Mm-hmm. We'll yep. finish with sparring every session to get the timing, to mm. get because you, you, you can't emulate that any other way. So you really, really need to spar. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I don't believe in... The hard sparring either. To me, that's caveman days. You know, when I first started, it used to be that way that, you know, if you wore shin guards, you know, back here, you know, I was doing kaka shin, you know, if you put shin guards on you or a pussy, you know, and, <laughs> you know, you, you, your shins would be black and blue and have lumps, doesn't matter. You've got to still wear, you know, check leg kicks, you know. Very primitive, you know. The kaka shin guys don't train like that anymore, you know, because. It's just stupid, you yeah. know. But there's still people out there that believe in this. I, I mean, that's their opinion if it works for them. But, man, I, I, I don't believe in, like I said, the risk-reward where you can get hurt, the concussion side of it. Mm-hmm. Just too too many things that that are going to hurt the fight. And if it doesn't hurt them today, it'll hurt them later on in, mm-hmm. in life, you know. And, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't want that. Same as with the kids, I, I don't like doing any contact at all with kids. I prefer them if they want to compete, just do jujitsu. When they get older, they can smash their brains up a bit, you know, <laughs> if they choose that way. <laughs> but while they're young, yeah, I, I just don't. I don't. I don't. I, I believe in a little bit of contact, just so you know they don't get they into this. They know what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not not the contact where. You know, they're getting dropped or they're getting concussion mm-hmm. as yeah. a kid, you know. I think that's wrong, but I, I think they need to get the punch thrown at them so they're not doing these, like, um, a lot of the traditional styles. You see them, they're, they're kicking one metre away and yeah. they think that they're, they're actually connecting, you yeah. know, like you're giving the person the false sense of security. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, you don't see many like horseman stance midsection punches <laughs> get thrown around <laughs> in street fights. Really. No. Definitely not. So, man... This time, next week, you're in the Middle East. Thereabouts? Or are we still another week out mm. from there? When do you guys head over? No, we fly out next Friday. Next Friday. So, so yeah, it would be late. So, I'd say, yeah, this time we'd probably be yeah, in uh, Abu Dhabi. Man, in your wildest dreams. <laughs> yeah, the UFC you, one video tape. Yeah, that. Could, could you ever imagine... That right now you would have the UFC champion and you're fighting on Fight Island to defend the belt. And we all thought Fight Island was going to be on some crazy beach. We, we now find out it's a, probably a lot more similar to a normal fight. But all the same, in this crazy-ass environment, I heard Lube, the manager of Volks, and your friend on the phone yesterday stressing out about not being able to get flights, now getting flights. Prior to that, I was talking to him. He was stressing out about a visa. Now I got a visa. All the tops and turns. Are you just excited to get there and fight after all that has gone into this crazy last three months of coronavirus? Your gym having to shut down for a period, getting a granted license to start contact back in the gym. I'm just excited, obviously, to see you guys bring the belt back. But what's it been like for you? Well, it has been a roller coaster because it's been, you know, from the beginning they offered us the fight and then. Yeah, we got the exemptions. Um, uh, Mark Boros, you know, he, he got the ball rolling for us, plus our local um, local member. 
and you know, they, they got in touch with Peter Darton and then you know, he got in touch with the New South Wales Health because it all starts from the top. And mm-hmm. then, so if you've got somebody that can move those things and move it quicker, it, it's, it's good. And I mean, even the combat sports rang me as part of their side and the guy was running through the, the rigmarole of what I've got to do and I said, I've already got the letter. He's gone... You've already got the letter. Yes, I've got the letter here in my hand now to tell me that we can train full contact. He couldn't believe that we got it done in that amount of time, which mm-hmm. was, which was good. But like I said, at every time there's been, you know, we don't know when we're going, how we're going to go. What's like the last time they had a show in Abu Dhabi? The the weather, the arena was really really hot. I think it was in mm-hmm. the high forties. No one could give us clarity on what where the arena was, what it was, how hot it was going to be. Did we have to start putting, you know, heaters in the gym and start training under the heat? Mm -hmm. Uh, There's been just so much of things that have um, come up, like little roadblocks, but, you know, like jiu-jitsu, you know, they put a roadblock in, you find your way around it to the next one, you know, and that's what we've been doing. And I will be glad when we do land on the island, it's actually going to happen. And then, you know, then again, it goes in our stages. You will have to do media. And none of us know what it's going to be like, you Mm. know, because none of us have ever had to experience this. And we're the first guys on Fight Island, so we're the experiment guys. So we'll see what happens. Well, Volko, he spoke so much yesterday about uh, adaption, adaptive. Like he was so, he had, it was like fixated that he was this adaptive creature Mm -hmm. and it just didn't matter. And it's like, man, you want to be that dude when it comes to a scenario like what you guys have had to go through. Like if you're some OCD guy that has to control all of these outcomes to get the most out of yourself, and some athletes are like that. And, you know, to have a guy that is, he literally prides himself on being adaptive. It's like, oh, dude, lucky. Like lucky you've got that guy for this particular fight, you know? Yeah, and look, he, he doesn't stress. None of us really stress. We're going out for the world title and they had they had something, like they had to stop it for some reason and they stopped it. We were just about to walk out and they went, now they someone went over, no, no, there's a two-minute break and... Uh, you know, people come out and that, and we're just having a joke because Mike Bisbing walked past and he went, oh, sorry, guys, and we started joking and mucking around and, and the girl from the Nevada uh, Commission, she, she looks at us and goes, do you realise these guys are going out for a world title? And we go, yeah, but this is the way we are. We're just, we're joking till we're walking out, we're, you know, bantering, you know, joking, mucking around, and, and, and a lot of people can't believe that we are that way in the change room. There's... And we've been like that since day one. And I, I, I like doing it with all my fighters. I go, man, why start the adrenaline pumping nice and early? Let's wait till we get so mm. cool. to, to, to when you're walking out, you know? That way you can use it. Yes. Yeah. Man, yeah. it's amazing that you will walk out when it is in Vegas in T-Mobile Arena with 25,000 people with the world champion, bright lights and everything, and you'll do the exact same thing at Wynn Stadium with one of your other promotions for a local fighter clearly barely anyone in the stadium but you're doing the exact same thing giving the exact same cues and processes to build obviously people to be the next volco do you see people coming from this area from your schools that can get to that level as well 
Yeah, well, young Colby's, you know, bright prospect. Yeah, he's cool, dude. He's a super cool kid. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got a really good attitude. Again, very similar to Alex, you know, that he's um, good-natured, wants to learn, loves training. Again, he's a guy that... He had a great vibe in the gym today. Like, I noticed instantly, like, even the way he introduced himself... That you could feel like energy come off him, and I I didn't know the level of guys that like of like if everyone was a high level there today. Like I I didn't know the scene that yeah. well, but I remember thinking I was like I bet you that dude's real good. Yeah, and and he is, and he's got he's only an amateur, you know, he hasn't even turned pro yet. Yeah. But I think he's had he's ten and one or something. Yeah, he won that uh, IMFI. Yeah, um, on the Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah, he won that. You know, he had I think three hard fights. Um, yeah. And the kid, oh, he got dropped in, in on my promotion in the first oh, 30 seconds. He stepped back. The guy hit him in the head with a perfect roundhouse kick, dropped him. To his credit, he got back up, um, got the guy, took him down and ended up sort of winning the round, you yeah. know. But, he, yeah, but it's not the way to win fights. But, uh, <laughs> but you can't teach that. Like, you can't yeah, coach that into somebody. Yeah, but he, he's, he's not only has he got talent, but he's tough as, you know. But like I said, I don't want you to learn. You've already proved you're tough. Let's just yeah. work on yeah. the other <laughs> side of it now. And, and he, he is winning to learn. And you know, hopefully he makes it, you know, to the, to the bright lights one day. And, and look, there's a lot of guys there, you know, that uh, Trent, yeah, you know, he's... Yeah. Um, he's he's clever. Another one, yeah. He's talented. talented. Yeah. Mm. You know, um, yeah, we had, you know, Josh and Jamie, you know, they're yep. both in the UFC. Um, uh, Brenton. Blake, Brenton. Oh, we don't want to talk about Brenton. <laughs> <laughs> Brenton's a good guy, you know. Uh, yeah, he, he brings a lot of good energy to the camp, you know. Uh, yeah, he's fun and yeah, he's good with a banner. Um, yeah, Alan, Alan Philpot, you know, from Ireland. Um, yeah, that was who I was talking yeah. about, man. Yeah, he's a game He was well. good. I, I, I had never seen him before, but fuck, he yeah, was good. He's from Ireland. Yeah. He came out here on a little boat, I think. Has he fought, <laughs> has he fought on Eternal before? I think he has. I think I've watched him fight. On could have, look, I, I'm not sure what Alan is, but again, you know, he, he put his hand up and came down, and you know, they, um, you know, you can't thank these guys enough. And Blake Donnelly, you know, he's probably you know one of the the be- better up and coming lightweights in Australia. He's, you know, he's got some serious uh, skill. That kid. Uh, See, Martin Newman was there today, you yeah. know, oh, you know, world 1FC, you know, uh, lightweight and featherweight champions, yeah. you know. So he's got, yeah, and he's won it a few times. So he, he comes in with, you know, a lot of experience and, and that. Uh, I can't think, um, young Cody, or not young Cody, big Cody that was there today, yeah. you know. Yeah, big solid boy, you know, nice straight punches. I think he's got a background in boxing and that. I think he's had like seventy something fights, <laughs> so he he's ca- he comes with a lot of experience and you know, very respectful guy, you know. And you know, a lot like you've seen it, everybody there mm. was good, good yeah, vibes, yeah. you know. Um, and you, know, you can't ask for more, you know, 100%. to me as a coach. I think one of the things that um, I really picked up on between talking to Volks yesterday being at the gym and then talking to you guys now is that 
like I feel like you could go so deep into the fighting world and you could dissect every single thing and you could just chase around these like half percents and th- you know you could you could go as crazy as you want and I think that your philosophy is just very simple based around like doing the majority of the things right and and just keeping everything simple whether it's the pre-fight routine whether it's the you know the vibe in the gym it's just it seems simple in a world where a lot of people try and complicate it to like find the edge but it's like seems like you guys have found the edge by just like doing all of the simple stuff right and that's one of the things i say to the kids you know it's my big thing i get them to stand on the line on the line and their feet have got to be on the line and i always say to them if you can't put do the little things right, yeah. how are you going to do the big things yeah. right? Yeah, that's awesome. So, so true. That's sick. It's, um, yeah, that, that's the way I've always been. You've you, you got to have a good foundation. And then, like I said, you know, if, you know the you know, jumping arm bars work for you and flying triangles work for you and, you know, axe kicks work for you, well, mm-hmm. you know, you bring them into your game, you know, because sometimes people that are unorthodox and off-centre have, you know, with success, you know, Tony Ferguson for one, you know, Nate Diaz, they, they do things that you're not supposed to do, but it, it works. Mm. DJ Dillashaw, he does everything wrong that you shouldn't do in boxing. He does, <laughs> but it works for him because people don't expect it, yep. you know. Isn't, hasn't it been an interesting journey so far? I mean, even in the last, let's just say, 10 plus years, there's been such an evolution in the sport. And even right now, it seems like it's going so fast. You've yeah. got dietitians that are setting standards. You've got strength and conditioning coaches that are setting standards. You've got, you know, all of these, you know, experts surrounding the sport that are just evolving it and showing better ways to do things. But it doesn't show any signs of slowing down. It just no. seems like there's constantly evolving better ways to do things. Like you would have seen the sport changed so much over the time that you've been oh, obviously practicing. And yeah, the same as jiu-jitsu, you mm. know. The, the, both those sports are, are, are both evolving, you know. Um, uh, and Do you, you know, stay on top of it? Oh, look, I'm always watching tape or, you know, watching jiu-jitsu you know, breakdowns or videos, instructionals. Oh, I love all that stuff. You know, it's so sort of this is why Joe's a strategy yeah. man. I said it. Yeah. I told you. But that's you know, I, I, you know, I know Hugh Jean's the same as me. Uh, we just enjoy it. You know, like yeah. you know, just watching whatever. You know, and like I said, I, it might not work for me, but I look at it and I go, oh yeah, that, that's got to work. Guy. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, he's got these flexible hips. You know, he can do the inverted guard. You know. The, go through these moves, hey, you know, check this guy out. So, like I said, to me, I, I enjoy doing that because, you know, I'm pointing the, you know, I can't do the inverted guard and all these, you know, weird shit anymore, but, you know, <laughs> you can, you know. So, <laughs> why, why should I hold Have you back from doing it? Because yeah. I just want to go now and just do, you know, the least jujitsu as possible and just be, you know, a pressure type passer, you know, yeah. and stay on top, you know, where... You're young, you've got a big gas tank, you know. And, and uh, as you can see with Volks, Volks, and we do a lot of scrambling type stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of guys blow out, you know, when they, when they come and they have to roll with my guys that it's – they might be better at the jiu-jitsu side of it, but when it comes to no-goo scrambling and getting out of yeah. stuff because we do so much of it, guys that are better all of a sudden you know they get a little bit behind and they get a little bit more behind and the next minute they're they're losing you know because their batteries are dead and Mm -hmm. 
uh, the guys that have got a little bit less skill, but he's got a bigger gas tank with uh, with a scrambling with a lot of good scrambling. Um, it's so hard to keep top. them down. They're just Man. constantly moving. Can, yeah. Any, yeah. can anyone keep him down? I've never seen any. That was in, impressive. In, in, we've tried. We've tried, and we're like yeah. forty kilos yeah. heavier than him. <laughs> he, 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 he like today. You know, he, um, yeah, his back was a bit sore, but he. he yeah, like he wasn't he, staying down. No, no, but he's usually a lot quicker. It's usually yeah. harder to get him down. It's just he, his back was giving a little bit of pain, and uh, yeah. and but you know that that that's it, you know. Um, but you know, last Monday when when we sparred, you know, oh, if you're not feeling sore at, at this time of the camp, yeah. then you. I said it to Elliot uh, Compton. Um, we were chatting today, and um, I said if you're not feeling sore at the end of a camp, you've you've taken some shortcuts. So. Yeah, and and look, that the, we we've sort of been using a, a lot more science now as well. We we've, we've got the Amiga Wave, um, yeah, and the other heart rate monitors. It measures everything, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you can use it. Alex has been doing it was first thing the in the check? morning. Did he have the? No, that's no, just that, the heart that, rate that was monitor. Heart rate, yeah. This is showing your zones, like yeah. just like everything. Should, should you be training? It will effectively look at it and just go, yeah. are you over-trained? Are you under-trained? Are you in the peak zone? And then pull harder. <laughs> oh, God. That's <laughs> 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 terrible. It's but so but, but we, have used it, we have used it a lot in the camp, you know, where we've done a hard session and then the next day, yeah, we had like a lactic session yeah, that morning yeah. and it, it said no, yeah. but he could wrestle. Yeah. So because you're using no way. Two, yes, that's so, sick. Yeah. So it was funny that he was allowed to wrestle, but he wasn't allowed to do the the lactic workout, yeah. which was more of an explosive lactic type. It's good, um, man. It's wow. so, 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 so the other like boys got the lactic workout, and Alex got to you know wrestle with one of the other guys and drill like that, and and that's the sort of stuff that. Um, that, that as a coach, you don't have to look at your guy because yeah. overtraining is worse than undertraining, you yeah. know, because once you break down those muscles, it takes a lot longer for them to rest and heal up where if you undertrain, you can still push yourself and, and get to that level, you know. And guys like Alex, if if that's – as a coach, that's my problem with him. No, no undertraining, yeah. it's just his overtraining. Yeah. And same as Colby and a, a lot of these guys, Trent uh, – most of the boys here, you know, they're good trainers. They love training, and as a coach, they're the guys that you got to keep an eye on. That they don't do too much, especially coming towards the end of the camp. And yeah, like because that's when you get injuries. Is when well, you're tired look, like yesterday, like we we broke um, the schedule because the boys wanted uh, we'd finish the schedule and they they wanted to do some, you know, like a, a king of the wall, you know, just a little one, you know, and maybe that's what irritated Volko's back this morning, you know, because it wasn't part of the schedule. And I didn't see his results this morning, probably because they told him not to do what he had to spar and him being him, he probably came to spar and yeah. knowing that he, he yeah. that, you know, there was a lot of people, you know, media and stuff there today. So I guess he felt obligated, but I didn't see his scan results this morning. So it'd be interesting to see whether it did tell him or not. Mm-hmm. about sparring this morning the cool one of the cool things that i picked up on um watching him train today and it's scary if he's like better than what we saw him today but he was like almost chain wrestling like the way you see really good black belts like chained together they're passing and that to me just was like i've never seen that in that way and like the 
the uh, frequency and the volume of what he did like is that something that that you guys put a lot of time into yeah like, like i said all the scrambling drills and then we do or is that what you call scrambling uh, sort of? well th- that was more what we've been working on him is um you know to hold someone down but if you hold alex down it's very very hard to hold him down he mm. he he um he's got really good scrambles he's got really little legs and he makes a little bump and he gets his leg in and and then he's out you know he, and, and look if anybody's ever had to wrestle with him or hold on to him you, you realize how strong he yeah. is you know he's a freak of nature uh, what what he does is mma that's what yeah. he does yeah. cuz we're so it's we're so used to seeing a striker and they're so great at striking and then, oh, he did a good shot and that's cool or a jiu-jitsu player. He just knows how to tie everything yeah. together so well yeah. that he knows when to take a shot or pull back and then use his striking or to take someone to the ground or to use the, yeah. the, and then the go walls strike, around wrestling him. Strike. It's unbelievable. Yeah. That's that's probably the, the biggest thing that I've ever seen like yeah. with him. is Well, it's funny because uh, that's been asked to me a few times, you know, over the years, you know, guys will say, yeah, what's Alex's strength? Is yeah. it his grappling? Is it his striking? Uh, what what is it? And I go. Well, Alex is good. He's got good wrestling. Yeah, he's got good jujitsu. He's got <laughs> pretty good striking. But what he's really good at is putting those things all, yeah. all yeah. together. Yeah. So he's really good at putting his punches into takedowns, his takedowns into the punches, mm-hmm. and you know, leg kicks into punches, leg kicks into takedowns. Uh, we we again we we drill a lot of that stuff, and uh, I mean it it does like sometimes I think you know that the boys must get um, uh, pissed off that we're just doing these same repetitious things over, but then in the end you see the results yeah. you know of how the how they move you know because you know re- repetition and then bring it into more of a you know you drill it and then you drill it live so. Um, you get a feel for a, a bit of resistance and, and then you're going to see whether it works for you or, or whether it doesn't or what adjustments you need to do. And, you know, you know when, when Alex does get you, whether it's on the wall or whatever, you just see him, he's just... He, he's not letting you sit there. He's just constantly... Mm. He's constantly attacking you, you know? So it doesn't give you time to really think, you know? But we've been trying to hold a bit of it back because sometimes he just... He, he he goes too much and gives too much space, and that's where, like I said, we've been working a lot on his uh, his pressure and holding pressure because, he, like I said, if he holds you, it's you yeah. feel it. I think that you you probably wouldn't even realize because obviously you're focusing on your job at hand, but how much of an influence and an impact you're actually having on the rest of the martial arts community in Australia, oh, particularly sure. us. Yeah. I mean, Sel and I have spent a lot of time watching you you guys in your camps or spending time watching you hold pads with each other, um, just watching how you work with Volks. And, and it's it's even ch- changed our timetables and the way that we want to want to coach and, and give the service that we do at our gym um, and bringing it all together into more of an, an MMA environment rather than a, a striking or a jiu-jitsu-based, you know, environment where we're, we're starting classes where you are linking it all together because that's the sport it's not just striking and it's not just jiu-jitsu it's everything together and it's certainly something that um being around you guys has has definitely influenced and forced yeah well well, i'm still a firm believer in training each style as an individual style but then yeah like i I like to say that we do striking for mma yes we do wrestling for mma 
and you know jujitsu for MMA because you know and this is my personal point I I, I don't yeah and I, my guys I'll tell you that I do not believe I'm being in the bottom in MMA so if you're on the bottom you got to get to the top yeah. If you've got, you know, one crazy, you know, guard like a Nate Diaz and, and, and you've got a chance of pulling an armbar or a triangle, do it, but then get out of there. Mm-hmm. Don't hang there because, again, the risk-reward is not worth it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, that, that's just me and what I really instill into my guys and that's where I said about the, the scrambling a lot because we never want to be on the bottom, we want to be on top. Yep. And so that and then holding that top position, yep. you know. I think the thing that I probably resonated with Alex the most and your gym and everyone that came from there and what you guys instill is the fact that if they were to fight you, no matter what, you would never accept someone going to that cage underdone. I think everyone knows if they're going to fight an Alex or a Kobe or anyone under your banner, they're going to be prepared Mm -hmm. as fit as fuck. And that's like, to be honest, scary for most people because then they know 100% they're not going to get tired and they would never accept staying down. As you said, they'll always get back up to their feet and they'll just keep fighting, which is, I mean, that's half the battle, really. Like, getting getting their fit, strong, healthy, is a massive, massive part of the battle. Well, well it is. To me, yeah. uh, and I'll, I'll always say it, that, you know, um, your, your, your fitness, uh, what did, um, what's his name, Eric Paulson said, you yep. know, um, Fitness is the mother of all techniques, and yeah. and, mm. I, I, and I really um, use that with all the guys that they've got to be fit, and then I don't care whether they win, lose, or draw, a, a, as long as they've given me that that time that I said earlier on, then that nothing else matters because I know that they've become a better person, martial artist, whatever fighter, and and, and that's important to me. But again, if they're not going to give me, and, and I've done this with guys that haven't wanted to train. And they've just done their own thing, you know, come here and there and they've wanted to fight. I just don't corner them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't. I go, you haven't given me the time, why should I give you the time? And I've done that a lot to a lot of guys, you know. Um, it's I'm, I'm not interested, you know. I, I, to me, if everyone knows me, I, I don't really like cornering and that. I, I, I prefer to be in the gym away from cameras and all that. Mm-hmm. I just prefer that side of it. I've been thrust into it and I've had to accept it, you know, but I, I, I don't. It's not the, the part that I enjoy. The, I enjoy the, the bit at the gym and the comradeship and getting the guy, making the guys better. That's what I enjoy, you know. Have you experienced, obviously, since Alex becoming the champ, uh, uh, a lot of a desire f- to, to, you know, is, are people coming to you and saying, please train me? And are you, is the gym getting a lot more members? Is the, is there, has there been a big impact? Um, yeah, probably yeah. more international than around here. You know, I mean, local People, they've got their own gyms, they're going to go and, you know, they're going to not like you for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But, you know, outside the area, we get a lot, like I said, from around the world, from Brazil, America. We had a couple of guys from America here last year. They spent a few months here. Yep. Um, we had guys from Canada, I think, England. Oh, I can't remember. But mm-hmm. we, we are getting a lot of, you know, just randoms, you know, from, from Brazil. Um, and... and yeah, that I, I guess they they want to train with Alex and see what's going on. I, I I've seen that uh, to a hundredth degrees at City Kickboxing. You know, their their, their gym is now you know the United Nations gym. You know, <laughs> and, and yeah, they, they, they've got a really good atmosphere. I've never seen um, apart from Tigers mm-hmm. uh, sparring. 
but they've got the space. Uh, yep. City kickboxing sparring is like another level of not only ability and everything else, but the amount of people there that are there to spar. Now they've got to do it in, in stages because there's just so many people. That's unbelievable. Yeah, and, and everybody's tripping over each other and... Yeah, I, I try and make little arenas. They they got no chance there. They, they'd be there till it'd have taken five days for sparring, you know, because yeah. it's just that many people That's and amazing. and high level guys too, you know. Mm. They really are sort of like progressing. Obviously, this area of the world for us, um, the combat sports movement forward, and everyone's sort of um, got their eyes on them. Do you think that they feel the pressure to to perform, or do you think they're just so comfortable in their, you know, in oh. their ways that I, I think they, you know, they haven't changed from anything mm. that they've ever done. You know, they're, they're in here to make their boys win the same as I am, yep. and I, I don't think they've changed their philosophy at all. You know, nobody likes to lose. Um, you know, they, they they're always still trying to improve themselves. You know, um, you know whether we bring in Frankie Hickman for this or whoever. You know, um, you know, knowledge is power, and I, I think if you don't think that way, you you know, and you think you know it all, you you you're gonna you're gonna fail eventually. You know. Do you see Do you see this area of the world producing a lot more high level guys um, at the top of the UFC compared to probably what it has <laughs> been in the past? Well, now that people can see that it can be done, mm. yep. that's going to be a while. Like that, yeah, it's gonna it, it's gonna make it easier for the next guy because, yeah, when we when we started when I started with Alex was, are we gonna get into the UFC? That yeah. was our mm. first thing, you know. It was it was hard, you know. Uh, and this now uh, with Alex and now winning the title, it's opened up yeah. um, for everyone now because the UFC and that look at guys and they go, oh yeah, that you know. If this guy says he's good, well, he must be good. You know, mm. where before, I think we were just there to fill the numbers in. You know, I'll bring the Aussie boys in so the Aussies have got somebody to cheer about. And no disrespect to those guys. Yep. It's just, you know, um, the, the, the sport's evolved. And, you know, those guys opened it up for, you know, guys like you know, Alex and everybody else to come through. And Rob, you know, and, you know, who, did, who, who brought it back in, you know, the, the first time. But... Uh, now you get like the Colbys and, you know, you probably got a young guy out there and they go, well, if Alex done it, I'm going to do yeah. it, you know. Yeah. You know, you got a good guy up there which I reckon should get signed is Shannon, you know. Shannon yeah. Ross, he's a gun, you know, watching that guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, guy's skill level is, you know. Yeah, again, a guy that's got heaps of cardio. I love his scrambling, you know, it's good striking. Mm -hmm. Kid's good all round, you know. I think, you know, he, he should get the call up sooner or later. Well, sh yeah, well, unfortunately, Shannon sort of, um, got, uh, you know, that's MMA for you. He lost his belt recently, um, but his head's stronger than ever and it happened for a reason and he's um, preparing for his next fight, which is very soon. Um, and hopefully he gets the W back, um, gets his redemption and then, yeah, next step is obviously, you know, well, the, it, the, it, the big show if, it, if, if, if that's... Yeah, but it's so hard for those guys because I, I know like with Alex and even... Brad to say and a, a, a lot of these guys they've got this winning record and then there's so much pressure on them because if yeah. they lose mm. they're back to stage one yeah. and they can't afford that you yeah, know and so, so really really I've seen such a big change in Brad since Brad got in you know he's he, he's a lot more relaxed and 
you know, because the people that are around him knew he was good enough, but to, you know, these other, you know, people, they just think, oh, he's just, you know, another kickboxer, you know, whatever. But, you know, the kid's got legitimate wrestling and jiu-jitsu, mm. you know. He's he's good all around in that last fight he had, you know. Yeah, oh, man, what I think is incredible about those guys and I think – maybe Eugene was saying it or maybe Izzy was saying it in, in uh, previous interviews where their career has been specifically sculpted, which has allowed them to get to where they are right now. So what I mean by that is Brad's had a ridiculous amount of kickboxing fights and Izzy had a ridiculous 70 something kickboxing, Muay Thai, whatever it was, K1 fights for this moment. And, and, Obviously, you can see it in someone like Izzy. His composure is there. He's been on the big stage in, in so many promotions in China and all sorts of things. So the competition he, the competition is not scary for him yeah. anymore. So he can focus on the other he things. He kind of felt like a star the day he was in the yeah. UFC as opposed to, I think, that what you were speaking to before with like the Aussie boys – that none of them felt like a star. They all kind of there was a con, uh, there was probably a feeling in their own head that like, oh, I'm sort of I don't even know if I should be here, but I'm just thankful to be here. Whereas I think that you get like what Whitaker done, he wins a belt, mm-hmm. and then that's like the four minute mile mm-hmm. to all the Aussies, and they're like, oh, it can be done. Yep. And yep. it's like when the four minute mile got broke, it's like it lasted for forever, and then it got done, and then it was week after week after week, and. Obviously, it's a longer time frame when you're talking about like MMA. Obviously, there's so many different variables, but it's almost like there's a belief now in these Aussie guys. And I think that it's important that there's a like gyms that you can go to and there's coaches that you can go to and you can then instill your belief that he did that for Alex or for Rob or for Israel. And now there's these hotspots that, that pop up. And when you guys get boys in the UFC, mm-hmm. it's going to be the same thing. It's like you can go to combat and there's guys in the UFC. And I think that that effect just on, on people's mentality, because I think like believing like you can you can wanting something and believing that you are worthy of something is two totally different things mm-hmm. and i think that that's sort of what happened with the you know alex and rob and i think that you'll see the floodgates open now just purely based on like the mentality yeah. I think the same goes for Joe, which I loved him being vulnerable about before was when he was saying, I don't know if yeah, I, yeah, true. I don't know if I'm the coach that can get him there, yep. but he knows he's the coach. And yep. it's like, and that's the thing. Everyone, everyone thinks there's some formula or there's some special, you know, gates that you walk through and, and yeah. you're the guy. It's, we're all doing our thing. Everyone's everyone's giving a crack. I guess the best thing that Joe's also opened up is the fact of we'll use Shannon as an example of he's going to be most likely fighting in UAE Warriors. His goal is the UFC, but we can pick up the phone openly and say, Joe, we're not one hundred percent sure on this. Yep. Like we're we're in this with Shannon. We want the best for him. You've seen this previously before with Alex when he was fighting win after win after win, wasn't getting in. Alex was the first to say he was this close to giving up because what more could he do? Yep. He was putting it all online. He just had a kid. Shannon's no different, except he's got like four kids. Four kids. Yeah. And you, we necessarily don't have the answers. We're, we're all trying to piece this together to say we think this is the best thing, but more than anything, we're open enough to say if we don't know, we'll ask the OGs or the people that For do sure. know because they've been there, like Joe's and the likes of that type of stuff. So it's really made the world 
a lot more connected yep. mm. when it very much felt previously from what I could see everyone was on their little island yep. doing their thing within their gym not communicating some people had success some people didn't but the knowledge wasn't being passed around as a group or a community which is great to see that now taking place 100% one thing you guys brought earlier on that I, and I think some people still believe that you need to go to America to train yeah. you know um and that was, I mean, I was in the same belief because you didn't know if you were doing it. I mean, in, in, my, in my heart, I believed that I was, but yep. was, it the, was it the right thing that if I didn't take him to say, you know, what's it, uh, Winkle Jacks or whatever his oh, name, Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. yeah, if I didn't take him there or Alpha Male to one of these um, renowned gyms that, is Alex going to be noticed? You know, and yeah. w- well, one stage there we were going to do it. We were going, we you know, we we had our our thing. We were going to go there for three months, and then while we were there, we were going to try and get a fight. You know, um, uh, you know, the, the only other way that I, I said we were going to get in was uh, someone pulls out. Yeah. You know, it's the fighting game. Uh, you're at those weights. You know, Shannon is at that. Unfortunately, at that weight where you know Dana was going to cut it out, so they haven't been putting, yeah. they weren't promoting it, and they weren't putting in the guys. But I think that's all over with now, and hopefully they start bringing in some flyweights because you know, you know Demetrius Johnson is my favourite fighter. You know, mm-hmm. he's yeah, you know, to me he's the ultimate in um, as an MMA fighter. You know, everything he did was good. You know, the the scrambles, the striking, the wrestling. Jiu-Jitsu. Flying armbars. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like the guy was a freak, you know, and I always, you know, go, that, that is the ultimate. So a lot of the big guys are never going to move like that, you know, and to say that he was boring, the, the casuals found him boring because he was just too too good for himself or what is it, for his own good, you know. Yeah. He was – and, yeah, like going back, now we don't need to go to America. We can – we've got guys here, you know. We've got, we got a couple of – you know, former and world champion, you know, and plus all the other guys, you know, that, that are here that are up and coming and, you know, you've seen them today, you know, some of the best guys that are around coming down and they all got, got along and they all good sparring and, yeah. Well, I think there's probably like a unique thing about Australia where it's like you feel so, um, like I grew up in Cairns and we were so far away from people that there was like in my generation in in motocross there was like eight or nine guys that went on to do like so well from this tiny town with one club but it was like all of these guys because we were so far away everyone got together so like all the best dudes got together there was no segregation because if we wanted to be with fast guys like we have to be with the fastest guys here and it sort of seems like that's kind of happening in australia like america it's got their teams and you don't you know you've got your team alpha male you've got your you know whoever these teams are but it's like in australia it's like oh you kind of don't have that luxury so it's sort of almost creating that effect where it's like you're borrowing from everybody because it's like we're so far away and it's even like you include tiger in that and then city kickboxing and it's like you've kind of got these this like little southern hemisphere thing going on where it's like everyone just really wants to push everyone forward. Like let's just try and get as many to the dance as we can. And that seems to be like lifting up everybody, you know? Yeah, it has. It's oh. like that Anzac spirit. It's just strong. Yeah. Mm. We're all one team. 
that's the, that's the way to put it really, right? Yeah, and, and I, I mean, you know, Eugene will always say that too, you know, he's always bags Australia, but he, yeah, it's just a bit of banter between yeah, the two yeah. of us. But, you know, like he, he said, you know, whenever there's not, if an Australian guy's fighting, unless he's fighting a fellow Kiwi guy, he's always going to back the yeah, Australian right. guy, you know, and, yeah, and there was a bit of pressure on him when you know when Izzy was fighting Rob and everything, you know. And mm. Eugene didn't see it that way because he said if if Rob was fighting anybody but Izzy, he would have been backing yeah. Rob. He'd been mm. backing Rob the whole time, every fight, you know. They 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 you know, although they, at one stage yeah, they were going to have to meet, but every time he fought, they were backing Rob. You know, Rob was there. Yeah, he he was an Anzac like us, mm. you know. What an incredible experience that was. Yeah, man. That so, fight. Yeah. yeah. That was Were you awesome. guys at that one? Yeah. Yeah. Bloody hell. Still, <laughs> I've something. still never been. I need to get to one, eh? Yeah, yeah man. you never been to UFC? Nah, all the years of being in America, I never went to one. Don't yeah. know why. The next one you'll go to will be Volko defending the belt on, Here? on Aussie Shores. Yeah, yeah. I'm, that, I'm down for that one. Joe, Joe will make that happen. They'll bring, they'll <laughs> the, bring the belt. Yeah, 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 the mayor of the gong. Yeah, they'll bring the belt back after this next few rage. Well, July, you know everyone at the door. <laughs> <laughs> I used to. I'm too old now. <laughs> You'll definitely control that. How'd you so. get tickets to the UFC? No, no, no. Joe knows the guys <laughs> on the door. <laughs> oh, mate. D- don't laugh. I used to get these phone calls at three o'clock in the morning, you know. Yeah, guys would ring up and trying to get into a nightclub. Oh, you know what I do? Because I get up early, no matter what time I go to bed, I would ring them up at six o'clock. Yeah, half past six, seven o'clock. I just keep ringing them if they didn't wake up till they woke up. But then I'd still ring them again half an hour later for waking me up that night, <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd make sure that they don't get into that nightclub. <laughs> Fair play, good move, man. Good move. We know, um, obviously. It's pitch black out here at the moment, so you got to get get home, get some rest, look after the champ tomorrow. Yeah, we do finish usually these podcasts off with some words of wisdom from from the people we respect that always have helped us, and you've helped us immensely over this period of time. We're appreciative of being in the gym, appreciative of your time and coming on the podcast. Is there anything that you've lived by that you think is the way forward for people or any quotes or words of wisdom that you could pass on? Uh, well, one thing I tell my fighters is start strong, finish stronger. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, yeah, so that means you need a gas tank. You yeah. know what I mean? You <laughs> yeah. want to drain them. So, But to have that, again, you know, you want to start the fight and you want to finish strong. Yep. That's yeah. That's it. Put in the work. Great stuff, man. Really appreciate you coming yeah, on, bro. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been fun. Uh, we'll do it again soon. Definitely. Awesome. Thanks, Hopefully Joe. when we come back with a belt. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. no doubt, no doubt. Cheers. Thank you. Oh, cheers. Man.